This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, what's happening? This is TC Carson, and you are listening to ACMG's Talk Time Live. And this is Kratos. Keep listening. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes all can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah folks we got a really great show coming for you today on groundhog day and if i'm correct this is the super this is super bowl sunday so we are going to have a great show i don't know if to to super bowl caliber but we're gonna have a good show we're gonna rock it and uh we're gonna talk about the end of an era truly the end of an era um upn was a network that was failing hard uh it had a lot of shows that did not gel with anybody even with the demographic that they were reaching and i'm talking about yes homeboys from outer space and lo and behold warner brothers took it over it turned it rebranded into the cw and they were still not in the mark yet and it wasn't until christopher nolan's batman series and hit theaters that they were able to capitalize on the momentum, uh, which was that movie. And lo and behold, they got a guy named Greg Berlanti and his crew and his production crew and their executive producers and writers and such. And they decided to create a show to possibly piggyback and capitalize off the intensity of that film. And long came a gentleman by the name of Stephen Amell who nobody knew at the time, not many people. He was rarely known. He was rarely on the radar. He was a new fresh face. And this proves that this is effective. You don't have to get a superstar to do it. And they created a show based on Green Arrow. And they took the, the Batman template and put it on air. And what the results were of that, eight long 
years of a great show. Not only just eight long years of a great show, but it also spawned in many other shows and created an entire universe for the prime time, you know, uh, networks. And because of that, the CW has been on top of the world, spearheaded by that show. Prove me wrong. That show, that channel, that network did not see the light of day until they started investing in superhero and comic book related TV shows. And then followed by after that, all the other shows factor in. But their highest rated shows by far has to be the Arrowverse shows right now. That is absolutely evident. Uh, Greg Belanti has since spawned out to, you know, he, he's done Supergirl, which he saved and took from, you know, CVS. He took, what did he take? He, uh, he got uh, Constantine out of the trenches and put him on with the Legends and saved him. Matt Ryan deserves to be saved because that show should have been, it should have been handled with great hands. And NBC was not that. And then he got the Flash, and now we got Black Lightning, and it's just so far. This man is the, to me, he's the new J.J. Abrams. <laughs> he is truly, he. I think he's done better. To, I, I honestly, in my opinion, I think he's done better than J.J. Uh, Abrams, in my opinion, uh, in his primetime run of shows. Um, I don't know if I can say better than Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre is just ridiculously great with all the comedy shows that he's created and all the shows that he's created prior to, and that's including Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, apparently. Um, but, or the theme song, or whatever. But we're here to talk about that in our talk topic today, and we're going to talk about the final episode of Eight Long Great Years with the show. And the show wasn't all great. It had some slow seasons and everything, but it had some, it came back and it came back great. And the final episode was amazing. And we're going to talk about that and our talk topic at the top of this show. So stay tuned for that. Definitely. I'm going to run down and review the entire show and give my thoughts on, you know, everything. I took a lot of notes. I watched it again. Got a, got a more emotional the second time. So this is going to be interesting, but, um, also, we got some news to talk about. It'll be, it won't be a lot of news. It's going to be um, just a few bits of news that we're going to talk about. Then we're going to jump on to the talk topic. But before I do any of this, before we jump on to the next segment, I want to give a shout out to one of my ACMG members and one of my really close, tight friends in there that I had a chance to meet from ACMG, and which is why I love, you know, even being a part of this Facebook group. Uh, Kiana Map Dunn. You know, we talked about her before in the show. She had she normally puts up um, game nights and gathers. She takes people. She's the Morpheus. She truly is Morpheus. She takes people from the virtual world out into the real world and in order to have a great time. <laughs> and we have game nights in these certain places. We're normally at the Thirsty Dice. This time we were at the uh, the Queen and Rook Game Cafe. Shout out to um, Isa uh, James, who also is an ACMG member. And I didn't realize when I went there that she's the general assistant general manager of that uh, new place in South Street. And I'm loving the fact that in Philadelphia and South Street, which used to be one of the most diverse, cherished places. And I used to work there for a couple of years at our store. It, it's kind of deteriorated and see a place like that a uh, board game cafe down here it fits perfectly with it i hope their success is great and i'm gonna help it the best i can to try to do that myself so hopefully we can probably do some great things down here with them down the line um there's plenty of opportunity with that down here but you know um definitely shout out to her but kiana was also celebrating her birthday so you know she invited myself my wife and a, a flock of 
of her friends and coworkers at uh, at her job, and it was a really great thing. It was really cool to uh, hang out with her, and you know, we get to play board, the craziest of board games, uh, indie board games out there, and it was really cool. We had a great time. She had a great time. Even better was that we got to watch like there was a reserve area that we were at and there was a big screen on a big screen the minute we came in like teen titans go was already rocking on there i was like all right bet i'm home <laughs> so that was one aspect and then later on they turned on my hero academia so i'm like all right we definitely home i'm digging this we're all here so we stayed for a couple hours we had a great time um one of the board games that they had that i thought was so awesome and i haven't this is a throwback I don't know if a lot of you actually. Have. I posted this on the ACMJ face, uh, Facebook group, and man, this is this is a throwback game. Anybody who's listening have ever owned the original Pac-Man board game? That it, it really, you know, I was a kid when we had that, so like I wasn't old enough to really comprehend comprehend how the role set of that game was, but. It didn't matter because we got the we got some like 3D physical you know pieces of Pac-Man, which was a board, which was a video game that we loved, and in physical form, it was really cool to have. And it was it came with a bunch of marbles and all the stuff, and little plastic Pac-Man pieces that you had to do, and, and ghost pieces. You know, this is 80s ingenuity, so you gotta imagine how that is. I'm pretty sure if they redid that game, like they did with the. Uh, believe they did with the mario monopoly now it will be so much better you know especially now that there's 3d um printing and ingenuity and you know in that aspect so it it was really cool to see it really took me back and uh, it was really cool that they had it was a pretty much a relic and i believe they had the miss pac-man version there too so if you're in philly and you are actually looking for a really cool place you might want to and, and a really convenient place too because thirsty dice is cool but it is kind of outweighs um as great as they are but now there's another um there's two actually uh options of where to go because i believe there's one up here too in uh university city where i live at as well that i'm probably going to check out too but definitely south street is always the hot spot to go to or should be the hot spot to go to and what better way to do it than have a board game cafe down there go down to uh queen and rook i really like the way the place looks um the food was pretty good too so go out of your way to check it out it's awesome you know shout out to the acmg representation on that end so folks we got some news to talk about so let's not waste any more time let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All right, folks, before we get into the news, I just want to shout out the past, present, and future of my community. Uh, this is not only Super Bowl Sunday, folks. This is not only Groundhog's Day. This is Black History Month. Unfortunately, the shortest month of the year, but you know, that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother time. But with that said, I still want to give thanks and, you know, and pay homage to those who have helped me, you know, do what I do today, you know, or people that inspire me in to, today, because it's not only about history, it's about the future. We can't, we, we need to keep building our history by building our future with all of things, anime, comics, movies, and games, even for our community. So, you know, shout out to people like Dwayne McDuffie, Dwayne Glenn McDuffie, you know, the legendary 
writer of uh, and creator of Static Shock, Justice League Unlimited, Ben 10, Alien Forces. Um, tremendous writer. Tremendous. Like when he did, when he did Justice League Unlimited, we haven't seen narrative and dialogue like that ever at the time up until that point. And at the time, it was considered, in in some ways, still considered one of the greatest animated TV uh, animated uh, series of all time. And I will rival that with Young Justice right now because Young Justice recently has just been out of this world. But Dwayne McDuffie has written some really, really. He, he was one of the first guys that I really paid attention to the writing and the development and character development in an animated series. And when I found out it was him, I was like, wow, I was blown away. You know, we we lost him too soon, but shout out to him. Shout out to Ariel Johnson, uh, Philly's very own. You know, she made history as well. She's the first black um, female to actually own a comic shop in the East Coast. The very first. That's crazy. Hopefully that's not the last. But she definitely has been making waves and making moves since then. So shout out to her. She, me and her and I were also like um, nominees for the Philly Geek Awards in 2016. For some reason, neither of us won that. But we both also, you know, done great things outside of that as well. But it was that's just, you know, it's one of those things. We, we were like the Jennifer Hudson of that, <laughs> of that event, apparently. So no no big it was awesome there um you know shout out to my man uh jamar nicholas who was on the show he was the Dwayne mcduffie uh award for diversity recipient and he also does uh leon a protector of the playground you know shout out to him is a great 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 book that i highly recommend for everybody uh jeffrey thor my man from uh you know who is the who was the showrunner for um avengers black panthers quest he's been on a show also from the actor from in heated in the heat of the night he never likes to talk about that but you know he's he made some moves his own he you know he he's writing for marvel he has his own comic uh company as well and uh hopefully we get him back on because i would love there's so he's always great to talk to he's whenever he's on a show he's on a show for like <laughs> two hours or so and we get down to talking about a lot of things so i it's so much i like to pick his brain with so hopefully he can get on and we can have that, you know, have that Socrates Cafe of conversation to get on there. But shout out to all of the people out there who is doing their thing. Um, the, where's my man who does Cannon Busters? I forgot his name. I got to get his name. I got to get his main respect, too. Um, what is his? Uh, LaShawn Thomas. You know, that blew me away. We got a we got a brother in Japan creating an actual anime series and a manga. In, 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 in exact anime and manga respect and it's all people of color in this thing and i was blown away and if you haven't watched that show on netflix i highly recommend going out of your way to watch that show from start to finish the series i'm so looking forward to the second season of that they i i i hope they really give that respect so you know shout out to all those guys and everybody out there in the black community here's doing their thing out there you know honestly at the end of the day we are proud, strong, assertive individuals doing our thing out here. To be honest, we need to be a group of strong, assertive people. We, I, if, if you, you know what I'm talking about, we need to come together in a big way and, and shine all together. You know, hopefully the strength in numbers will, you know, set itself in the years to come because 
that's a that's a that's a challenge right there right now i, I can tell you that i ain't, ain't gonna pull too many words around on that but we got some ways to go with that but shout out to everybody who is doing their thing out there and uh, keep it going and keep it growing out there so let's get on to what's new in the world of acmg folks i am actually on my screen right now is uh one piece gold i i love this film i i love what they've done with this film and just from an animation standpoint it's, it's just beautiful to look at um it, even with this eccentric and crazy you know plots and everything it's just awesome why i'm talking about that because i'm segueing right over to the news that netflix has announced that they are working on a live action series based on the anime and manga the long very long running anime and manga from shonen jump i think they're in a thousand or something right now <laughs> it's hard to keep up i heard it's really good right now though too and i am and i, I mentioned um pirate warriors 4 coming out uh very soon as well so this news came up apparently according to ign.com uh they have reported that a project has been in development for some time uh as along with cowboy bebop that's another one because um show uh i forgot his name uh david i forgot his name uh show uh is going to be doing it but he got injured just recently forgot his first name but he's he's one of my favorite actors uh harold and kumar uh actor as well um but it's this is also in development um a really creative press release from the author of uh and creator of one piece uh ichiro oda was pro provided as he made the announcement it's really cool it looks like um it looks like a illegible writing of a you know scroll from you know the pirate era it was really well done and but you could see it was uh it, netflix was done in english everything else was uh hitagana or katakana you know script in there so it was i thought that was pretty cool and creative that he did right there so um along with that uh there's no word on who's been casted for this and the dates have been announced however it is noted that steven maeda of lost in the x-files will serve as a showrunner for this uh along with oda being executive producer uh along with uh what is this marty audestine and becky clements now this can go any way possible and i say that because netflix has a list of live action anime shows that were hit or miss death note was probably the worst of the bunch in there um there uh, it was it, and i think that was solely because it was done by an american production i think the only great thing about that movie was william defoe and william it's like it william defoe doing the voice of the uh the, i forgot i'm not i'm not really into death note but the the creature that is inhabiting that is inhabiting the actual note and is encouraging to for him to write in the book but he played that role he 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 can't do any wrong his voice is just phenomenal for that role but the direction the production everything it just looked so bush league it looked like a 90s new line cinema film then you got uh warner brothers japan who did full metal alchemist and he did uh i believe they did bleach i know they did uh, uh motaro or kentaro uh no it's motaro and uh that was actually really well done uh because one it was in japan and they 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 take care of their ips really well 
So it was, I thought that it was a really well done deal. Whether you liked to dub or not, it was still, I thought, it, I thought they did a great job. Bleach was a little short because they, because they actually had to condense some of the things. And I, I was, I'm hoping, I was hoping that they're going to end, wind up doing a Bleach 2 to follow up with that. And I haven't seen anything yet. I don't know if the box office sales didn't work or anything like that. I, I don't know, but it, I thought it was pretty good. And I thought that it, it deserved, hopefully it didn't leave us hanging like that. Because what they did was they cut some of the sagas and condensed some of the sagas up. So it had a really good, like, Scott Pilgrim vibe to it but and the special effects are really really well done but other than that it was like we need to see more because he needed to like the whole follow-up of him you know going against captain eisen that hasn't even happened yet so i was hoping that they hopefully they it is in the works i got to look up to see that um full metal alchemist i thought also they kind of condensed that too but they made sure i i didn't like the subtitle version but when um they went to dub and they had, uh, you know, had all the all of the actors, like including Vic Mayana, um, you know, reprised the role. I thought they did a great job, you know, being able to do ADR for that. And I felt that the it was well it was well paced with the dub and it made it feel a little bit um, better. And they got the, you know, pivotal scene right with that. So I think if it's done by like Warner Brothers Japan or another Japan studio, possibly, who will take care of that intellectual property very delicately and and take it seriously to make sure that it matches up to what we're, you know, why, what we've been seeing and what we've been reading. I think this can absolutely work. It's going to require a lot of special effects. And I had a conversation with somebody in our ACMG Facebook group about that. And it's like they jumped into conclusions that it's going to automatically suck. I, this is the part I hate about the online community sometimes especially because everybody's so damn cynical and they always think that they're everything's gonna suck before they even see it and i'm like grow the hell up i mean how many times at, at some point at some point you gotta consider yourself like really really like stupid and to a point if you're gonna keep saying that something sucks and then it, you don't know until it comes out like we made so many mistakes doing that in the past when we feel when we hear something is going to be made and to some extent there's some truth to it there's some you have a right like you know venom was not a good sh movie fantastic four the last fantastic four movie that was out it was not a good movie um you know it, it's 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 up in the air but like but when it came to hugh jackman becoming wolverine and we didn't know who hugh jackman was at the time you know that's a whole nother thing when we found that michael keaton that was probably the biggest one still to this day before there was the internet and before things went viral michael keaton as as bruce wayne was like no the dude from night shift <laughs> or mr mom that's not happening and what happened we wind up getting still to this day as possibly the greatest Bruce Wayne that we've ever seen. And that's still up in the, that's still like almost overwhelmingly voted by many fans to this day. He just, he, he blew everybody away when he did that. So, uh, it we'll see, we'll see. Uh, depends on who's making it with production company. I, I, I'm more confident when I find out what production company is going to be a part of it. I like the fact that Steven, um, Maeda, is going to be a part of this because you know lost in x-files were very successful now 
what will also make this very special as well and the fact that um each uh each hero oda is going to be overseeing this so that's also a plus as well and we can't forget dragon ball evolution too like that was just a catastrophe that was just that was so bad um but i will definitely say if these guys are actual true fans there is a big chance that this can work and that usually is the case if they're really great fans of the series they're not gonna try to alter too much of the series to make sense like michael bay he got he got the first one really well done um but after a while he got so cocky and so egotistic uh egotistical with himself his ego just didn't care it went over the fandom he was not really a fan of it he just wanted to do what he did and he said it he's openly said it a lot of times and you know thank goodness he didn't do bumblebee because that just showed that you can make what we want and make it right and the whole entire first 15 minutes of that you know of that movie was so satisfying so let's just be patient see how this is gonna go wait until we see at least a trailer and see who's gonna be you know who's gonna be producing you know this movie you know what production company is gonna be a part of this movie we'll see uh we won't know until there so just be patient do not come off so cynical off the bat so and other news in the world of disney plus which probably i don't watch the super bowl so i don't know if i'm going to be really uh doing anything but i never got to see the lion king and apparently the lion king is on disney plus so that might be what i'll check out tonight and see what all the fuss is about i knew some people uh there were some people who didn't like it and there were other people who actually kind of did like it or didn't like beyonce's performance or whatever i'll we'll see we'll see i knew i i wasn't a big fan of uh aladdin uh it, it the, the very beginning of that was kind of weird it was really weird to hear will smith saying alone and I, it just it just never came but this is to my liking because disney plus is looking to add the anime series from madhouse called marvel future avengers which will be premiering on that network on february 28th the series uh which aired 39 episodes in japan is set to finally hit the states and will be shown for the first time in english dub in the u.s uh it has played in other places in other countries uh with there with different dubs there so i am looking forward to this and i at, at first um i thought this was disc wars because that was another anime which is kind of like you know marvel meets Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon to some extent there's a really weird premise with that i actually do hope we do get that but um this one apparently this tells the story of three teens who gained powers after hydra experimented on them so we do get to see uh a lot of marvel's most popular heroes within this series so that'll be cool in anime form and that's awesome so this is not to be confused with marvel disc wars which aired in japan in 2014 so i like this idea i hope to see this now when it comes to marvel both marvel and dc has delved their feet into the world of anime uh batman in particular batman just recently had an anime that was done and that was mixed reviews for people i actually liked it it was different it was you know it was very different uh to, to you know much to people's dismay it was a, it was just a different feel i love the animation i love what they did with it um 
The other one was Batman Arkham Knights, which, I mean, not Arkham Knights, uh, Gotham Knights. Uh, that was really well done. It was very like Animatrix like. So there was like a collage of different uh, animations. It was it was it was very well done. I loved what they did with that. There was you know just like the Animatrix did. There was you know some really great artwork and really authentic in creative art, uh, art styles in there and animation styles in there. It was it was just it was a beautiful beautiful love letter to the series and it was also based around the world of christopher nolan's world as well if i remember correctly so you had that and i think that was the last one for them marvel also delved into the anime world too with uh x-men um blade iron man and wolverine it wasn't the best in terms of storytelling and character development it actually fell through for a lot of people it would i mean if if you want to just watch anime just, it, it was kind of like how people think of the 90s where you had all this great artwork but some of the stories like weren't as good as like the stories now and the storytelling now um but it was kind of like that because you watch like iron man and it was kind of boring you watch blade i couldn't get past it you know i could i could not get past watching blade at all um it was it just it just wasn't there i and i love the animation the art style i love the character design of every one of them they look awesome i even um the movie too the uh, iron man movie which now was it the iron man movie or no it was the uh it was a movie with uh that starred the punisher and black widow and they just had their own you know marvel team up and then all the avengers came on after that that was all right that wasn't bad the also you got also they had the iron man movie as well that wasn't too bad either but it didn't like if you look at all of the marvel animated shows out there it didn't level up as far as storytelling and narrative and because they were trying to mold themselves into the world of anime and tried to you know assimilate into that and i don't think the execution of the assimilation was as great as it could have been or it should have been so it hopefully this one will be a little bit better and more lighthearted because i think they were trying to be more marvel than anime or, or no i actually honestly they were i felt no that's not even right they were trying to be more uh, anime than marvel and it just didn't work right it was it was really it was really mixed with that one i mean but for what it's worth i always try to watch x-men because i loved the way it looked and i loved that the uh they were fighting against the human or whatever like that but it looked beautiful because it just i watched it looking like this is the way i wanted x-men to look like <laughs> i wanted the x-men like way back in the animated series when i hate it i love these i love watching x-men animated series just for the storytelling but the art style and animation was so horrendous and if you look at the anime version of x-men it's like this is what i wanted because the pilot episode in the 80s looked phenomenal that's what i wanted back then and then they just you know they couldn't afford that budget they couldn't afford to do any more movie uh, any more uh animated shows like that because the budget to do something that looks that good cost them a pretty penny and we never got a chance to see that again up until now but now we got it but also it just didn't have a good story that people can follow or wanted to follow in here so that was that um so we'll see i'm looking forward to it and uh maybe i'll you know talk about it more when it comes out 
on the 28th and see what I thought of it. It's like 39 episodes, so that's about like spanning over two seasons. It's not entirely bad at all. So um, if you look at it, I, people don't understand, like back in uh, the 80s and the 90s, a full season of shows was about like 13. Like now we're getting like 22 episodes, like 12. We're getting more than 12 episodes per season you know so uh it's really amazing that they do that and anime normally goes way longer than that so it looks like it got canceled after the 39 episode but it'll be interesting to see if they actually ended the series or just left off on a cliffhanger from there so we'll see about that um and the last bit of news uh jeez uh, yeah, we got to talk about this. The last bit of news I have is Transformers news, which I should be happy about because I am a big Transformers fan. But not for what this version. This is just my opinion. I know there are fans out there who is who likes what I'm about to say, but um, eh, it, 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 we'll see how this goes. There is talk that a Transformers movie will be revamped it's actually two of them actually there are two movies that are going to be um in the works revamped versions one of them based on beast wars which was the spinoff to transformers uh and it was it, it, i remember watching the show wasn't too thrilled about the show but it was transformers so i was like all right i still as a fan i need to watch it but i didn't like it up until like the second season when they actually started finally connecting it to the g1 universe and i feel like they were trying to go away from that in the first season, but I think fans wanted to see the connection and they finally decided to bring the connection in and they brought Ravage, like a new version of Ravage in. Even though the plots and the stories didn't match up, it didn't feel like they matched up completely with it, but they tried their best. But at least they, for the winner's worth, they did connect it to the G1, uh, you know, uh, series and the universe and everything. So the, the effort was there, but I never liked it at and it just was at the time this was like uh 90s and 3d animation was just starting to develop and it was it was a gritty grimy time for that you know now 3d animation looks tons better than it did now but this was one of the pioneers of that genre of that art style that they were trying to produce and you know it, it reminds me of like when virtual fighter came out or when tekken one and two first came out kind of like that compared to now where like this era looks like of animation a 3d animation looks like tekken 7 and up <laughs> so um it, it's you know i it's it's going to be interesting but ign once again ign.com uh says that sources tell variety uh discover we're told that uh paramount pictures uh gave the job to james vanderbilt of murder mysteries and army of the deads julie uh jody joby harrell with creating two new transformer scripts for two separate films this movie will be based on the 1996 3d animated spinoff starring optimus primal of and the maximals which included rat trap and cheetor versus the predacons of megatron waspinator and tarantula now as I say, I didn't like it. It wasn't, that doesn't mean it was a bad show. It really actually wasn't a bad show. I just love the G1 series so much. And, and again, the, the Optimus Primal character design, I wasn't a big fan of. I, I didn't like the fact that his, you, we got to see his mouth and it was just a little in-between thing, but that's here nor there. The stories were, the character, the characters were likable. I just, the overall, the overall 
it, for me is that like I'd rather stick to the G1 version of the Transformers, and I saw what they were trying to do with that. And to some extent, I it, it, it it's not a bad. It's really honestly, it's really not a bad show by any stretch. It just wasn't my. I, if I had to pick, I would have done a. I would have done a little bit more with that and better. Not to try to make them look like actual animals per se. It just it that part didn't make sense to me, and I thought that was the little turn off for me as well. I'm like, look, just let them be robots that turn into animals, but they were kind of you know they had the mech, mech, uh, mechanical look or the um, you know the mech look, if you will. It, it, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't work with me on that. But I did like Rat Trap. Rat Trap was probably one of the most charismatic characters of the whole entire bunch. And then I think some more came after that. Now, granted, after that, I think they did Beast Wars. They did another Beast Wars uh, series that I, I absolutely, I detested because what they not only did, not only did they go further into the Beast Wars thing, but they didn't even transform the same way. And I'm like, you just took out the biggest element of what people liked about Transformers is the transformation. So they kind of morphed instead of transform. And I'm like, you guys just missed the boat. Whoever's doing, whoever created that series did not understand why people liked that series. And they just went on their own. That was the thing with the 90s. All the directors and the producers of some of our favorite fandoms when they went to film and they went to theaters and became movies or whatever or and in this case this animated this new rebooted version they didn't get why people loved the series and they fell off and they wanted to do their own thing they wanted to be artists and it's when you when it comes to when you want to create a movie on your own that was based on something that we didn't love already and it wasn't already established that's one thing but if you're creating something that people love the art the true art of it is creating the exact experience that we had before. That's the art. That is the technique of, of creating the art of that. It's creating that nostalgic feel. Look what they did for Marvel Studios right now. It took, it took Marvel Studios years to figure that out because they created The Punisher. They created Captain America in the 90s. They created Fantastic Four. And they tried to change it up in The Punisher. And they tried to change it up to do something different. And they had these directors that just wanted to be... You know, they wanted to think their egos got in the way and they became artiste, if you will. And they wanted to create their only their thing and see if they can pull it off. And they never could. Never. It wasn't until kid, uh, uh, kids in our age grew up to be who were already fans, grew up to be these directors and all the stuff and said, no, I want to create what I love and put it on film and what other people love and put it on film. And that's what we got on Marvel Studios. I'll give another example. Um, Joey Answer, uh, who created Street Fighter Assassin's Fist, which starred Mike Moe, who was a guest on his show in the past, who also was Bruce Lee on uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Oscar nominated uh, movie, uh, with Brad Pitt and the gang. Um, yeah, he he was so pissed off about doing uh, about what he saw with the legend of chun Li and the and the john claude van damme one. he created he put up his own money to create what we needed to see in a street fighter live action and because of his efforts because of that you know honda capcom flipped the bill and allowed him to create two 
different live action films it should have been three but it ended up being two because they never they never got back into doing uh world warriors when it was i remember because i was at um comic-con i was at san diego comic-con in 2014 when they first announced that they were going to be in development of the sequel and unfortunately it never came about and i always wanted to know what happened with that and hopefully someday i can find out what happened with that so that was a situation there but at least the idea was that he's a fan and he took the opportunity he took the initiative to do his own thing and i i can't be more inspired by what he's done i had a chance to meet him and he was he was just awesome he was all of them i that's when i first met mike mo too was in san diego comic-con too and um and and it was just it was such a great thing uh that he did right there so we'll see this can be one of those situations that i believe that the movie might be better than the original series it depends on how they do it i really hope they do this right we'll see i i don't know if i'm going to be up for it but i'm not i'm not going to hold judgment i'm not going to be cynical about it we'll see this actually might be a good idea and a good thing uh if it's i would like it to be i hope that they would do in a prequel to transformers what they did with bumblebee because what like i said with the first few 15 minutes of that show I wanted, I, I could have just turned it off and I would have been satisfied right there. A lot of people have said that. So uh, we'll see. We will see. Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to talk about the final episode of a long-running series that spawned so much for the CW in a great way. Uh, and that was Arrow. We're going to talk about that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Hebert, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Hey, this is Jeff Thorne. I am the writer, producer, showrunner of the Avengers Black Panther's Quest TV series, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. All right, folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it's our review of the final episode of Arrow. Man, I can't believe this show is done and over with. This is crazy. Um, I, I you know what? It, it left on a great note, and it left on a at the right time because i'm looking at uh supernatural it's like on the 17th season I, and many including myself have said like that just went way too far out like why is that even still is that really making a dent like no disrespect because i know there's some really great supernatural fans out there but that should have went out when smallville went out and smallville in, in my opinion and many other opinions was far too long in itself like when they they just went to, they went to the well went dry with that show with 10 seasons of that and this one stretched out for another 17 like this was on i think this was from the wb network 
and then it transitioned right over to CW. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> um, you know, like I say, there's it's still a fan base for it. I didn't know it was a fan base big enough for it to last 17 seasons. But hey, who who, do, who am I to say? I haven't looked at the ratings with that show, but it's uh, it's finally ending now. But Arrow, eight great seasons. They uh, and it's it's gonna live on. It's gonna live on even past that because you got the Flash, you got um, Black Lightning, you got Legends of Tomorrow, uh, which are all connected to that Arrowverse world. You got a new Arrow show that is coming out soon, and Arrow and the Canary. So with Maya Queen, so I'm looking forward to that. Now, oh, I don't even want to bring it up. I don't even want to bring it up because that'll just I'm I will go too far, you know, too uh, quick on my notes. We're going to talk about that, but they got some new shows coming out. Star Girl is coming out very soon in the spring. So I mean, he left a legacy. That show has left a legacy. God, you, honestly, look back when this show first started, which I think was like they said, uh, what is this, 2020? I think 2012 maybe that it started it's 2020 now in 2012 we did not know who the hell Stephen Amell was not many of us I don't know what he's done prior to uh the Arrow series but yeah he man I swear to goodness I didn't me personally I never knew who Stephen Amell was and he did not he really didn't like was he I don't think he was on anybody's radar at the time uh, he's 38. He's got so much ahead of him right now. Yeah, so that show came out in 2012. I want to look back at IMDb and see what he's done prior to this. Uh, like, everything he's done, everything he's done was all CW stuff. Like, this is crazy. Like, two th- we got to go before 2012. He was in a TV series called Hung. He was on a 90210 uh, reboot. That's interesting to know before he did arrow hmm gotta check that out he was on two episodes uh he was on so he was just like he was just going in different you know shows doing some parts and, and playing some roles in different shows like uh csi and ncsi or cis and uh csi miami um you know he's been in some shows prior too but i don't think he was on a again he wasn't really you know seen as the lead man for any of these things at the time yeah so he's been acting all the way even prior to i think 2004 um was the earliest project he's done and it called queer queer ass folk which was a tv show i guess and i don't know if it was a canadian tv show or not well not but he's been in the game but it wasn't until he got his he got his mark on arrow he was in damn he was even on new girl right about the time he started doing arrow so um private practice he was on that for a few eps oh that's right he was in uh it said injustice got among us i'm like wait he was on a, he was a hidden character and he was in uh lego batman 3 i remember that but yeah he really didn't oh yeah he did do he was in uh teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows i forgot about that but again he didn't really make his mark until you know he he in 2012 when he was chosen to play oliver queen as arrow which is funny because everybody thought that the guy in smallville who did a really good job and i think that was i i could be wrong about this i'm probably totally wrong about this but it's the first time i've seen green arrow not in the 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 traditional robin hood gear they decided to put him under a hood i don't know if that was a something was that what that was an idea created by the people of smallville uh 
or he was already dressed like that in the comics i gotta ask somebody about that whether he because i didn't see the hood version and i like the hood version and the first time i ever saw the hood version of green arrow was on smallville when the actor who played on air and fun fact for those who don't know and i probably i think i mentioned this before on this show the guy who played smallville on uh, green arrow on smallville was set to play aquaman originally and then they made him green arrow and you if you want to see that original uh episode of aquaman the pilot episode that never aired and never seen the light of day and it should have and we should have gotten a series because it looked really good it's on the dc universe uh app you can watch it on there and you look at that series you look at that show and you're like why the hell didn't they pull the um why the hell didn't they uh pull the trigger with this show this was really cool like jason momoa got the credit for being a cool aquaman that dude could have been a really cool aquaman as well but he ended up being the green arrow on, on smallville and they became the uh justice league of that that was really flipped out version of the justice league in there um but Stephen Amell winded up taking the part and they wanted I guess it's mostly because I think they wanted to take a Christopher Nolan approach of it now they did a a uh, hour special before the final episode so it was two hours of Arrow on that night and they, you got a chance to uh, hear from Greg Vellante and all the other two executive producers of the show uh, talk about you know their experiences on uh, the series and everything and what they were looking for and he was they were looking for a more dark edgier type of way and i don't believe that they actually gave any credit to christopher nolan but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure if i were to ask or if anybody were to ask that question as to whether they kind of were inspired by christopher nolan's uh batman universe they it, it's hard to deny because the timing of when that show this show came out and when that movie when those movies premiered uh, you kind of and, and a lot of it really felt like it was like okay they're going to Christopher Nolan approach with this and the template was Batman we needed a Batman before they can ever say the word say even Bruce Wayne's name on the show so and in Oliver Queen this version of Oliver Queen by Stephen Amell played it perfectly we had a lot of great seasons with this show we had a lot of great and, and a lot of it had to do with his role gallery as well his role gallery of people were absolutely outstanding and i did that when i was doing a graphic for the show for this uh show here and which by the way that graphic for the show if you're not looking at it it took me a long time to put all this together but because part of it was just creating the um images the pictures of all of his enemies in here so you're looking at this and i'm like one two three it's like 18 of of he had a role gallery of 18 villains and that's not even all of them that's 18 of the top villains and the most memorable villains on the show uh and antagonists on the show and top of it all is slade wilson i had to put him up top uh you had damian dark you had Raja Ghul, you had um merlin you had prometheus you had cody rhodes as i really don't believe that they called him stardust on the show i gotta look at that i i i wasn't aware that um that they even called him let me look at imdb on that because uh that's interesting i didn't know because I, I i think i looked at entertainment weekly on this when i was researching things and let me see if cody ronalds or cody Rhodes from aew 
as many well know, wrestling fans know. Um, and he's really good friends with um, Stephen Amell as well. They they bonded from there from because I believe Stephen Amell made an appearance from because of his popularity. He made an appearance on uh, SummerSlam at one, one year. So let me see, Cody, Cody, Cody. But yeah, he had a long he had a long road gallery of of uh, enemies, man. It was just crazy, and eight years of it it's like wow some of them were really really good like insanely good and then others was just like all right this one's a little bit this one's a little bit corny but it they got through cody there we go cody rose get you clicked on see all the wrestling all the wrestling okay they just got him as derek sampson Okay, that's what I, I yeah, because for some reason, on Entertainment Weekly, when they were putting up the top villains of Arrow, they put him and labeled him as Stardust, and I'm like, I don't recall them ever calling him Stardust on a show or referring him to a Stardust. That's his WWE name on the show. So, no, but you had, you had, you know, Cody on there as well, and he, he came back for the third season. Um, you also had, let me see what else. Uh, God, uh, Cupid, you had Brother Blood, Brother Blood was really good. Um, you had Diggle's brother who pissed me off. uh, Diggle's brother is the dude from Chris, who played uh, on Chris Cross, and he also played at 8 Mile, and he pissed me off on 8 Mile too, as well, but he's a really good actor as well. You had Longshot, you had Michael Jai White as Bengal Tiger, you had, um, China White uh, by Kelly uh, Hugh. You had uh, Nisa. You had Cree, uh, not Cree Summers. Uh, I forgot her name. Um, as Ravenger, the Terminator uh, woman. Uh, Talia. You had, uh, forgot, uh, Dolph Lundgren play on here. You had Huntress, the, uh, the girl who played on um, The Walking Dead who died by shooting herself with the double barrel gun and then winded up on the show a few times on arrow right afterwards they you know really popularized and damien dark as well i mean god just so many so many people i'm not even naming all of the people that has been on the show uh captain boomerang was on air too um he you know i think he he was there with the team up with arrow they also uh with flash and they also um even had uh vandal savage on air and that was all based on a crossover as well uh, so you had like a lot of people in here uh, that he had to deal with on this show. I'm not even naming everybody. It's just crazy. And then also it really it gave birth to The Flash. And The Flash gave birth to a whole bunch of other things. And it also gave birth to Legends of Tomorrow as well. Uh, so you got those. And Supergirl, you know, came. It was adopted from CBS. Um, like I said, you got Constantine that was rescued from NBC from that point and now it just kept going now we got Black Lightning who is now connected you got Batwoman all that airs tonight up I, I actually I don't think it will probably because of the Super Bowl it might be a, a rerun tonight I'm not sure I don't think they're gonna try to compete with the Super Bowl no way in hell uh tonight so we might see some reruns tonight on as uh because it's Sunday but man it's, it's just a long list of people that led up to all of this and we got to we we were hoping 
that they were going to be able to cross over all these people. And thanks to the Flash, uh, with them doing that episode, which kind of prelude to the Flash's TV series, we finally got to see how Arrow, the Arrow universe, was going to be able to gel with metahumans and all these, you know, superhero power beings and everything. And it was really well done. It's just, it wasn't the entire universe of the Arrowverse isn't airtight, but is as closely closely airtight as you could possibly be with how they put things together and it should have been a template of how dc films should have put their stuff together and all they did was do the marvel formula again that's something that they never admitted in the uh in that in our first hour special but they were claiming that they put together a really i'm like yeah y'all kind of just did the marvel formula and made and y'all saw how it works so it was like why not make it work for them and they can't admit that but in, in some hindsights, they it's no it's no denying it's very transparent where they follow the the formulaic idea of doing that. So let's talk about this episode. This was, I, I, and I've seen plenty of final episodes. We've all seen a lot of final episodes of a TV series that we love, and some uh, some of them we got let down big time. A lot of people didn't like Seinfeld's uh, final episode. I thought it was okay but then as i gradually watched the other episodes it made sense so i liked it more uh cheers uh ending ended off really well i remember that that was a really great ending they sell it it was really well celebrated it's probably the most celebrated episode ever uh ending of a tv series ever because even i think boston celebrated big time after that show ended and it, we, we saw a celebration almost like the worst like boston red sox won the world series or something like it was it was really kind of that deep with how they did it. it was really well done um probably one of my most hated endings to a show right now is how i met your mother i hate it hate it the way that they ended the show we finally get to see the 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 mother that he met and she they kill her off <laughs> what the hell what the hell was that about it was i i really loved that show but it really turned to a really dark ending <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, this is just, this is crap. At least with Arrow, it's, you expect a man of his caliber to go out like the way he did. You, there was a high chance that he was not going to make it. And when he died, he had what was possibly the best, he had an Optimus Prime death. And I really, I really liked the way that they handled his death and his after and the aftermath of all that. And that's what this show was talking about was the aftermath. And it was really a celebration of what he's done and what the show has done and what the show um, has created in all aspects. And they brought all of that back in this one hour episode. It wasn't overwhelming, wasn't oversaturated. It was so well done. It was like this episode was very airtight. This is possibly one of the best last episodes of a TV series I've ever, ever seen. Uh, I thought it was so well done. Uh, so let's start with it. Uh, we go to what appears uh, to be a documentary where it, it just starts off right there where Mura, where Mura who Arrow's mom, Mura, uh, Mura Queen from another earth is talking about how Oliver saved and changed the entire universe. We then uh, hear from Dinah Drake, Black Canary, aka Black Canary, and the detective in, uh, in Star City Police, who at the time, uh, at this time, 
uh, or at this timeline for for the for instance, uh, has not yet headed to the future uh, with Mia and the gang. If you guys remember last week's episode, come to find out she was in the future and didn't know how she got there, and that's the whole that's going to be the whole story with her when they do um, the Arrow on the Black Canaries uh, TV series, which that last week was kind of a prelude and a pi- almost like a prelude pilot episode to that. Uh, so she's always talked about uh, Oliver's brave decision and sacrifice as well on this documentary. We then hear from Renee and the director of the documentary because the director was supposed to be making this about Oliver and his courageous situation, but at the time did not expect to do this as a sort of a a, a tribute documentary at the time. Um, take note too, you know, this episode unfortunately comes at the time when Kobe Bryant actually passes away in our in our real world. So it's really I don't want to say it's eerie at all. It's not really eerie, but it's just it's a really interesting coincidence that this episode comes out right about the time the real passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the the seven um, family members who passed away in that horrific accident has passed and you get to see this tribute to oliver queen and this tribute to steve namel and then you look at this the kobe bryant tributes that everybody's doing uh, if you guys have seen uh pictures of what they did in the stadium and had shirts all over the place you saw video footage of ho- hockey players wearing the 24 and the 8 number to honor him and people in football they're going to do something big tonight as well uh as, at the super bowl to honor him as well this it there it is really a interesting parallel that's the eerie part the eerie parallel between um how they handled the tribute to oliver and now we're seeing this in real life it's really crazy but the timing is just really crazy that this happened it is it couldn't be helped in a case but watching it i it didn't put me in a down point thinking about the real life situation it just i took it as a as what it was in this case I, I really took it as it was it i didn't hear anybody make a big deal out of the situation either because all of the you know especially because all of this happened prior to you know the acknowledgement and the news of kobe too so i'm glad that it you know we didn't hear at least i didn't hear any firestorms or anything about it either so and it shouldn't be it just it just you know it's the timing you couldn't be helped but um we then hear from uh, Diggle, Diggle, who is being interviewed by the director, uh, and all these people, are, I, you know, all these people are being, you know, recorded with new footage because the documentary was, like I said, like the director said in the episode, she was, it was meant to be a documentary on his courageous acts and the acts of those who worked with him, and then it ended up being turned into a tribute documentary, and they had to get new footage so you know renee dinah mura uh diggle all in hindsight were just getting interviewed and their thoughts of his sacrifice and what he's done for the entire universe so everybody in the world knows what oliver queen has done which is awesome everything in this episode went completely full circle he was a vigilante and 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 really like hated upon by people because they they vilified him and now he's finally being recognized for all the good that he's tried to do and what he's done in this episode. And everything, everything. There's so many things that just closed that just closed 
in this episode is going to it's going to be awesome talking about this more so we have that um renee then picks up diggle after the interview and the two meet up with teen arrow at his headquarters uh to have a drink uh, in memorial of oliver uh roy is also there with him he asked um what is there left he asked about what is there left in star city because you know crime is officially disappearing now if you guys remember last week's episode when again mia it's like it's 2040 and mia queen and and everybody in star city at that time um are saying like there has been crime in over like so many years and it started right about 2019 when it happened so roughly about like 20 years um that there's been a lack of crime up until that point in 2040 so they have been really quiet for that and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do now that star city is completely devoid of of like crime and everything and dinah herself is saying like even the police reports are even saying like there's nothing going on nobody's doing anything right now it hasn't been like that for a month on end so they truly believe that all is at peace everybody except for diggle diggle is not yet totally convinced that everything is totally uh without crime and from that point we get a flashback uh we get our first flashback our first of our last flashbacks because this show was all about flashbacks too so you know there's no shortage of flashbacks in this episode at all but the first one shows diggle and oliver and i believe this is from a episode of season one i don't think they redid this i think they a lot of these are clips from season one and they're just bringing them back and connecting connecting the dots um but it talks about uh, uh like a reminder it just it was just a really a reminder of what this show has gone through in over eight years you know this of this great series um so they went back and talked you know did something in reference to what diggle said that is you know his his basic plan is it's not over with his his journey is not over you know we still have to live you know for oliver and do what he was set out to do so he still believes that there's some work that needs to be done um from there we then see sarah lance travel to 2040 star city where she sneaks up on mia green at her house and uh tells her like she's he's she's picking her up so she can take him to oliver's funeral to her father's funeral so that's going to be a very interesting moment in this episode as well funny a funny moment here is when uh they show a clip they pan they uh skip over to the scene where diggle is finally doing the climbing i forgot what they call that the, the hook uh official climbing or whatever that oliver was known for doing on the show and diggle's now doing it and he's saying like he should have done this he should have tried this sooner it's easier than he thought it's not so hard Renee replies that Renee replies, "Well, that's because you got arms of uh, the size of telephone poles." <laughs> Take note. You got to notice something about this episode too. I don't think people, if you're listening right now, if you watched the episode, you may have noticed this. I didn't put it together until I watched it the second time. Diggle is constantly wearing a green shirt for all through this episode, and this all through this episode for a reason. Um, more on that later. But also, it, it, if you had never noticed, whenever uh, Roy's on the show or Thea's on the show and they're known as Red Arrow or Speedy, they always were red. Almost like the same way the Power Rangers used to wear their same color clothes to match out to make sure people know who the hell they are. This They kind of played on this too. So just take note that Diggle wore a green shirt. <laughs> so 
we also get a moment where Dinah and Roy, uh, you know, get to talking and he gives uh, her a tattoo commemorating their uh, alliance. And this part reminded me a lot like when um, Robert Downey Jr. and majority of the cast of the Avengers went to go get a tattoo to commemorate um, what they did for for the 11 years of the Marvel Studios. I think Mark Ruffalo wasn't there. Mark Ruffalo wasn't there for that, but I don't know if he actually got a tattoo with them uh to talk to commemorate that i it's still unknown as to what whether he did or not i gotta look back at that but you know so they they talk about yes as they're getting um the tattoos done roy talks about talks to her about uh how he left thea and uh left her unceremoniously at the time and they still got a little bit of uh animosity towards each other so he's not looking for he's looking forward to seeing mia but not looking forward to apologizing to her for the, all those, all that time um i don't think he still knew what the hell was going on with the either because they kind of had if you look back they kind of both went through similar situations when he had to marry kuro he went crazy thea kind of went and they both died they both died and came back to life uh thea also kind of went through her own thing too because she died and what got uh came back to life with the lazarus pit so they both had uh, they continue to have a lot in common and i didn't put two and two together how their stories are matching i'm just glad that roy was able to come back on the show because he left the show for to do other things and he came back to do these episodes and it just made it so much better i'm so glad that he was able to come back to do this show um that that, that he he does a great job on the show uh dinah uh dinah later on finds mia in the headquarters as she is searching for her mother uh in a previous timeline and explains to dinah uh how william was abducted in her timeline so she's still that storyline is still going on uh in the midst of that so we then go to the scene where everybody who who's ever teamed up on team with arrow uh is in the headquarters including curtis thea and even ragman for god's sake he even came back so and this is all because they found out on the news that the william of the present timeline was also being was abducted so this led to the other scene seeing all everybody coming in because they're all trying to you know make sure that they honor oliver by saving william and this is the last thing that they needed to have in this whole thing so during this whole situation roy approaches thea to apologize and explain what he did and why he did it thea was less than forgiving uh considering that oliver is gone and william is kidnapped so she would she just flung him off and stepped off for a bit uh at this time uh we then finally uh, get felicity who makes her grand appearance um who enters the room and embraces diggle and dinah mia sees her mother for the first time who doesn't yet know that you know has they haven't met yet at all so that what that's going to be a slow burn lead into that and it's a really really touching situation um diggle begins to rally the troops and to try to rescue to save william so this leads into everybody's doing a scooby-doo split up basically so we got team ups here we got roy and thea searching for william on the rooftops but also gives roy the opportunity to talk about the situation that happened again because he really wants to say sorry thea forgives him at that time and tells roy uh and, and roy tells her that 
he wants her him to uh in her life to, uh, you know more than ever he's after all of this happened he does not want to stray away alone he really cares he's always cared about thea and now he really wants her and decided to ask her to ask to marry her on that rooftop in the middle of all this so his him and timing is really never really good we get ragman uh and renee uh going into invading some type of a warehouse or building or it looks like a factory or whatever like that uh that is being used for something else and this is the one time we get to see some really cool effects from ragman as he's doing a thing so he and renee uh, kind of play catch up because if you guys remember those guys all you know teamed up at one point that was a that was when um diggle and arrow kind of had went on their split ways and diggle i think decided or one of they were they had like two different teams at one point so it was that was a really interesting situation but they decided to uh you know catch up on things in life and search for william there then you got diggle and lila lila's back uh you know she's back and she was you know thanks to oliver she's back with diggle and diggle in her having uh family and including a new daughter and uh diggle uh they and both from search in the region lila is so desperate to find william because she wants to make sure that she repays oliver back for all that he has done for her and she is in a panic at this point which is rare for to see lila do that you know considering that she's supposed to be the head of argus for goodness sake um she feels that she owes oliver for everything you know bringing them back together and from crisis and vows to make sure that he's found it isn't until mia mia somehow finds um her and finds william at the rooftop with the guy who kidnaps her and apparently it's a guy who um oliver winded up you know getting in the past and that leads to a flashback you know of oliver just whooping everybody's ass this is like probably the last big ass kicking scene that we'll ever see oliver ever again and he went out with a bang this was like this is as what you expect from oliver now the guy she asked me it's really kind of interesting that mia asked who the kidnapper was and the kidnapper replied you wear the hood you should know which how that's not always that shouldn't be true but at least to a cool flashback where oliver is kicking everybody's ass uh in the factory in classic arrow fashion so i really appreciated that we then go back where mia warns the kidnapper to let william go and this is going to be this is the situation that led to Mia wanting to decide whether she should kill him or she should, um, you know, redeem him of death in doing what Oliver wanted her to do. You know, don't go, don't go to dark route where Oliver went. Go to the route that he wanted to. And she decided not to kill him, but she, you know, made sure that he let her let him go, and he, he uh, she ended up putting him uh, in jail. So. It goes into another scene and in this scene you really see mia come into actually you really do you really do see mia come into her own here and you you can feel this you know the oliver queen demeanor in uh her you know as the hood i really did like it and i i, I whoever they I, I again this is another actress i've never seen before in particular i'm sure she's been in a plenty other shows but I think they as far as casting they did a really good job picking the successor for oliver queen she plays a very convincing uh you know um 
kin of Oliver Queen. She she plays the role really well. She's assertive, demanding, every bit as every almost is every bit as good as uh, Ruby Rose as Batwoman. I think Bat. I think she, I think Ruby Rose definitely has that leading role uh, demeanor with her. But Mia has the coming of age role of this and i think she's gonna end up really doing well uh for herself in the future so back in headquarters mia is teaching william how about the bow she uses uh the camera then pans over to sarah talking to felicity as felicity discovers that mia is her daughter from the future so they finally revealed that uh felicity sarah wanted uh, suggested that she goes introduce herself but felicity is so afraid uh to meet her that moment wondering if it's the best idea she doesn't know if she's it's gonna mess with time you know she also mentioned that you know she's right there but her daughter is also at home it's just weirding her out in every way uh dinah uh calls mia and directs her to the tv while the entire team watches a news report involving with footage showing mia saving william as the new green arrow um and the newscaster also acknowledging like that every people are continuing to carry on to tradition uh that oliver queen wanted them to and dinah looks at mia and is like that's exactly what i told you you're doing a great job from there so we go into another flashback where diggle is training uh and i believe i remember this scene i remember the scene from a previous episode of arrow uh and oliver is giving him advice while oliver uh, also informs him that the days of killing it may be over and i think i i do remember this recall this episode when uh he finally decides not to kill everybody that's in the book that his father gave him so we uh go back to the present where thea uh is in the queen home uh looking at old pics of her brother roy steps in and then have the talk of whether thea will marry him and start a fresh new life together thea finally accepts on the idea that he tells her that uh he tells her everything and doesn't run away like he did before he was more than happy and i love the fact that they closed the book on this this was such a long running sub story between these two and we finally get full circle closure with this and they finally going to be together because there were times when we there are fans that wanted to watch that watched the show and saw the dynamic between these two and it came to and they, we loved it came together but they came apart so we we figured there was never going to be and then thea became the leader of the league of assassins and i'm like oh this is never going to happen well it's happening now so and that's a good question is she still uh, the leader of the league of assassins from this new world i that's a they never really answered that part but it wasn't really something that really was needed so um we then go to the police headquarters where detective lance is alive we get detective lance back so i i they don't explain whether he's from another earth or whatnot but he is back alive so it appears after it was this point that i looked at this again when i saw this and it was like oliver died and sacrificed himself and brought back everybody who died in the previous show in the previous seasons virtually everybody everybody that he loved and cared about um so laurel comes to meet with him uh and with her uh, other earth father to talk to him and she asked whether she is the real laurel 
and if not why didn't she why didn't he bring back the original as there that chief lance i like i'll always call him detective lance but chief lance informs her or former chief lance because they gave they're now giving that promotion to dinah so i don't know if this means he's retiring or whatnot but it is what it is but lance uh informs her that he didn't need to change anything and he was happy with her being in this world and he embraced her so that was another touching moment uh so yeah it's it's really crazy so if you really look at it oliver died and when he was alive sarah laura laurel and La and uh the father all died in this series all of them are brought back together that's not the only one all of them are brought back together uh once he died so he he brought order back by everything is almost like it was when he uh got lost in sea except that sarah is now there with him so he rewritten everything kind of in a different way the team is back in headquarters and they asked uh what's next for him diggle this is getting this is getting closer to what i'm about to get hyped about diggle informs them that him and lila are heading to metropolis to start a new life hint hint so that's one thing dinah is also moving away she's gonna do her thing renee is running for mayor as he was destined to we saw previous episodes of uh future uh visions of him becoming mayor from you know 2020 uh, 40 and such so hopefully not to the extent of what happened during the previous episodes so hopefully that's rewritten as well uh the three then leaves the headquarters for the very last time as dinah turns off the lights and leave and they leave forever that was a really heartwarming moment you just saw the lights turn off you saw the monitors uh rise up uh go upward into the uh ceiling wow the last time we'll see the arrow cave aka the, the uh, you know uh oliver's headquarters there and then this is when it gets really kind of emo <laughs> and i wasn't emotional the first time i saw it and i watched this again and it kind of touched me um we then go to the, see this candlelight vigil of Oliver Queen where everybody is there. Everybody is there right now. Um, you're not everybody, but they, they're, they're there for the vigil. There's more that comes in a funeral. And this is where the, uh, Lance, I keep wanting to say Detective Lance or Chief Lance, but Lance um, gives a eulogy for Oliver, explaining that when they first met, he didn't like Oliver and didn't trust him. But over time, he has more than proved himself and he couldn't be more proud be more wrong about him and glad that he was wrong about him as well. And he couldn't be more proud of him. Uh, note. There, there's one more return in this one that totally shocked me in this scene. Also, is Tommy Merlin from another earth who is alive in this earth. So now it's all they are all completely back tommy everybody who died during the first few seasons are all back together like the whole entire clique is back lance introduced a statue honoring the green arrow as well so that was a really cool thing this thing this also and i talked about the kobe bryant situation too i think it has been heavily talked about that he's going to get a statue i absolutely think that's going to happen and it's really cool that they did it for here too so it's like i mean because people had really has the same emotions about him than that as well so it's really like it's the, the timing of these episodes and the real life situation is just crazy um 
they then uh, I believe the the next scene is the next day, and it's the funeral, where Thea and Mira are standing in front of Robert's Queen Robert Queen's grave, and I'm glad that they did this because I asked the same question, and then this scene popped up, and is they they like I said this episode was so airtight because I'm like everybody came back, why didn't where's the, where the hell's Robert uh, Queen the one who started all of this so. It was Thea who asked why didn't Oliver uh, bring back their father and Mura explains as much as she possibly could the logic of this that she believes that Oliver can only bring, change the things that didn't change him and that he would uh, not be the same man if uh, you know he would be today. So in hindsight he believes that he didn't he couldn't or he didn't bring back robert because of that he only brought back it's this is kind of like the dragon ball theory whenever like people from namek die or people die all of a sudden you can only bring back certain people of certain stipulations they cannot have already died they uh they had to die under you know whether it was at the hands of frieza or whatever like that so they kind of played on that type of uh logistics or logic you know with that so it was believable it made sense and it was only a theory it was only theoretically uh theoretic so it wasn't like something that even though mira said it doesn't mean that it was concrete because even says she believes so it's 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 theoretic at best um a hypothesis if you will so while those two uh appear together uh who uh wait a minute while those two came end up um were together who comes up but Oliver's other sister, the one that Robert had while being married to Mira, and we just saw her in the episode, and she was fighting with uh, Oliver, I think last year. So that was uh, that was thing. So they, again, they left no one out. No, any important aspect of Oliver's journey was in here. So they brought her back, and she introduces herself to Thea and uh, Mira. And to which they both embraced her and accept her one uh, as one of the family. Now, funny thing, when I was looking at this just and, and gathering notes for this, the moment that she did that and I was uh, gathering notes, I paused it. And Mura's face was she announced that she was the daughter, which means that she had she was she was about Athea's age. And that means she had her um, Robert had her at the time when uh he was already married so he this is like a unwed child a bastard child i guess or whatever no it's not just unwed child bastard means something else if i'm correct but this you know this was a uh a relo um a, a relationship based on an unwed type of situation uh adultery if you will so but she still chooses to embrace it but the look on her face when i paused the uh episode was priceless it's like See, this is why I'm glad he's in the ground right now. That's the look she had on her face. So we then uh, get Tommy and Laurel back together who, uh, you know, Tommy explains to her that he is from another earth and on that earth, those two are married. Now, if you guys remember during the first season of Arrow, there was sort of some sort of triangle because Tommy kind of wanted to date Laurel and uh, there was a situation where oliver and laurel were kind of in a mix because he knew that he cheated on her for sarah and such so it's that dynamic was crazy 
That was absolutely crazy. Um, then we get Rajal Gold's uh, daughters, Nisa and Talia, uh, who were invited by Sarah. Sarah is meeting Talia for the first time. That was pretty cool. Uh, and before uh, Sarah goes by, uh, Talia is trying to explain to Nisa, like, you know, father only meant well by making sure that you were happy. And Nisa was like, no, I'm happy with who I choose to be happy with. And this was kind of a bit of a message of he didn't accept her being in love with uh, with females uh, and wanted her to be a little bit traditional, but she always fought for her belief and she was strong about her beliefs. And, you know, Sarah was the person that she loved and still loved to this day. So, you know, that was her choice and that, you know, she chose that and they re respected that. And Sarah was in, Sarah met Tali for the first time and Nisa introduced to her as her beloved. And she basically got the idea to like, okay, that's what she, that's who, who she chooses. So that was a really cool moment too. Mia decides to introduce herself to Felicity, um, who is all sorts of emotional at this right time. And they, they had a really cool embrace too. This part reminded me of when my mom passed away. And, you know, it was that moment where I was totally cool and we're at the we're at the funeral and then all of a sudden who appears but my english teacher who i really respected my um you know fred horton really respected him i really respect him still to this day um groomsman at my wedding that type of thing and then on top of that my principal which i never thought i would see <laughs> that was just insane how many people can say that they got a principal that does that you know that how much I love education to this day because of that and how much I know that there are people in the education uh, world that cares about you. But it reminded me of that, you know, seeing somebody like that, that makes you break down and in tears like that. It's just it, that that was a very empathetic moment for me. So they talk, uh, uh, they talk for a bit and Mia tells her that um, she not only met uh, uh, her father, but her father trained her before he, you know, for his untimely passing. Um, so then they suddenly hear a familiar voice that just comes along and it's the voice of Barry Allen who that hovers over those two and this right here was like that was that moment right there was like it reminded me of my my past situation I was like oh wow okay at this point I watched it the first time I didn't go I didn't get emotional the second time I saw this I, I a tear came down when I saw this and then right after that who comes right after that is um what was it after that but let me see and no he embraces well first before they can do that he embraces uh felicity and tells him like he tried his best and wished that he could have done more and felicity is ensuring him like no i know you did everything because i you know you would have saved him if that was the case and you, you know it, it whatever would all that happened happen there is no regrets uh and she assures him that he did everything he could so then diggle comes along and embraces her along with Kara Danvers aka Supergirl so that just even furthers it it's like this is just so well done they I love what they did for this so, so like you got all the people that Errol you know from a story standpoint that he brought together but from a production standpoint this is what Errol brought to us brought to the world this is what Greg Berlanti has brought to all our all of us comic book fans. This was just so great. So well done. Um, everybody is trying to figure out who's going to give words about Oliver. Tommy opted out and said that he was most likely going to say something tactless, uh, which 
a smile came to Felicity in that response. And that was really cool. That That's, you know, people, you know, when funerals happen, it's not always, it depends on the situation. If it's a untimely death, especially if it's somebody young, it's hard to really, it's really hard to get a smile out or to make somebody feel happy because if somebody dies young, it's really hard. But if you're like, if you understand a situation, it depends on the situation. Part of the pastors or reverends or whatever's job is to make sure that you come out knowing that everything's going to be all right from this point. I've realized that with my mom's funeral. And when you get a little bit of a smile from the person closely tied to the person of passing, that says a lot. So I, I really like that that happened, uh, that you can see that they're still trying to, you know, adjust to the whole thing, but still, you know, it was really cool. This is, I, I just, I saw that little detail in a moment as a really realistic thing for me. And I, I related to that. Um, Diggle gives a hell of a speech. Now, this speech is very important because this also segues into so much that they revealed on this episode. This is the big money moment right here. Diggle didn't wear green at this point, but something green happens during this point. Diggle gives the the speech of all speeches, um, which we see clips of Diggle and his family while he's doing his speech, picking up, uh, picking up and packing up with the family to head to Metropolis. We see Mia give one last look of Oliver's statue before um, returning to 2040 to save William in her timeline while Diggle is still doing his speech. We go back to Diggle as we go back to Diggle and we see uh, he's doing some last minute moving uh, from his home in the evening only to discover what looks like a meteor falling from the sky, crashing directly towards him, blasting him into the truck now at this point we're doing a live uh acmg facebook posting of the live airing of this and we were talking about whether this was going to happen we didn't know for sure there was talks online and the internet that this was possibly going to happen hbo max is going to be a part of this well it's happening we see him we see the meteorite whatever that is crashing towards him and blasting him onto the truck full force they then switch over and we see renee fully in gear to uh to set up for his mayoral campaign which he'll end up winning dinah is seen riding away in, a, in her motorcycle which is very characteristic to the comic book version of her character as well so that's the the black canary in full bike you know all that gear and everything too we then go back to diggle again he's okay but he gets up from the moving van walks up to the crash site it is there that he finds what appears to be a glowing green box people it's been teased in prior uh crossovers it's been said on the internet it is official John Diggle. It's actually John Stewart, the Green Lantern. <laughs> and he is going to be the Green Lantern. They are setting this show up for to be a new show that is going to premiere on HBO Max. I can't afford another damn streaming network. But damn it, this is awesome. Some way, somehow. I don't maybe when they get all the episodes in, maybe I will go in for a month just to 
some way somehow i'm gonna i don't know what i'm gonna do but hbo max now has the boondocks they now are gonna have the green lantern with john diggle and this on hbo max i don't know what they're gonna do with this series because it's on hbo max that means they can take a little bit more liberties with what's going on so i don't know if they're gonna go and rated r route with this or do the same thing that netflix is doing with the uh chilling adventures with uh, sabrina and just giving it a little bit more edge to it but the fact that it's on hbo max speaks volumes of the quality and production and the success of greg berlanti to be able to have hbo want to have want him to do a show on his network on their net on their new streaming network that speaks volumes and it looks like the demographic for hbo plus is really geared to a african-american demographic there's a you got that you got the boondocks i believe i forgot some something else is going to be on hbo max as well oh you're catering to anime fans too so it's is is african-american demographic then you got comic book fans and then you have the anime community because i'm i believe the ghibli the uh the studio chibli uh collection will be on hbo max as well so there you go very good demographic uh target audience to uh, connect with there very smart and during this speech at this point in the speech when he gets that and opens that green box diggle finishes the speech where he says the words the universe is far bigger than any of us could have dared imagine even if it is a little less bright you put two and two together and you know if you are a green lantern fan you know the green lantern saying you that there you go it's official the camera then shows the gravestone of oliver queen which says beloved son brother husband father hero to star city the green arrow we then go it then transitions over to the exact spot in 2040 where the monitor meets up with felicity and i forgot what episode that was but that was a previous episode or that was a crossover or whatever um with felicity or was that the beginning of this no it was the beginning of the season i believe i think it was the uh, the very beginning of the season they did this um where felicity who requested that she see she goes to the afterlife to spend the rest of her days in the afterlife with oliver uh first of all we still got a question how the hell the monitor actually is still alive or whatever i don't maybe i think oliver probably brought him back too uh she she then goes to the portal where uh she is dressed up in the classic office gear uh clothing that you know she was when she was working at queen consolidations not to mention queen consolidations is back up in the afterworld for some reason oliver appears and tells her she is glad uh they can finally make it uh that she can finally make it uh the two embrace oliver said that he wanted to meet her in his mother's office where they first met felicity tells her that uh tells him that they met before in the it department oliver asked her whether she was sure about that and the last and final flashback comes in the very first season episode of the show uh where this leads to the flashback where oliver leads uh laid eyes on her for the first time in season one as he was she was in the office and uh looking at his pictures and he saw her for the first time i do remember, recall and remember that oliver tells her that it's a long story but they have plenty of time to talk about it strangely the camera pans out and we see queen the queen building in the afterlife 
version of Star City, apparently. So I don't know if that's leading to anything, but it ends off on that note. Absolutely phenomenal final episode. I enjoyed it so much, even more the second time. And man, if you don't understand how great this show was and you underestimate what this show has done, I'm telling you, you are missing out. You are clearly missing out on the work that that production company has done. Greg Berlanti, like I said in the beginning of the show, to me is the new J.J. Abrams. In fact, he is Greg Berlanti. I, he's, I think, honestly, he superseded what J.J. Abrams was trying to do when he came out with Heroes and such and tried to build his own universe. Unfortunately, the writer strike really put a dent in him on that note, but... Um, J.J. Abrams is still J.J. Abrams, but I think I think Greg Berlanti truly superseded him on what he was attempting to do on network TV and did it in stride. In fact, this is the most successful thing outside uh, next to the animated universe that they created that DC has done. This is where they this is where DC is extremely strong at right now. Um, And kudos to him. Thank Stephen Amell. Thank the entire cast um for what they done it, it really pissed me off because i remember um wizard world in philadelphia they were there and i just took it for granted not knowing that they were going to do all this they were going to do <laughs> and i'm now wondering like damn i wish i would have gotten a chance to go uh see them <laughs> and i don't know we'll see who knows be cool if they were coming to uh coming back to philly for keystone but um i don't think that that's happening I, of course, I could be totally wrong because they did. They they played a trick on me last year, uh, saying that Tom Holland wasn't going to come down. And he came down, but I really enjoyed this. It was a great journey. I watched this show from start to finish and enjoyed the ride. Even their slow moments, even their their down times, the the seasons where it just didn't have that that oomph that they had before. Uh, it they managed to come back very strong and did it top it off. To capitalize it all, they had everything that happened on Crisis on Infinite Earths. It was done tremendous, and they went out on a fantastic note. You couldn't have gotten off on a better note, and they closed every single sub-story that they could possibly do. This, my friends, is how you start, continue, and end a TV show. Kudos to them on that. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed this show, because that'll do it for this episode of Talk Time Live, folks. Thank you guys so very much. Um, tonight is the Super Bowl for you guys enjoy you football fans out there enjoy um I think I'm only going to watch to see what they do with the Kobe tributes and stuff like that otherwise I'm just going to be chilling and watching it so uh next week I can't tell you what the hell's going on next week I know um Birds of Prey is coming out next week so I'm going to check that out so that's probably going to be the talk topic of this week um we're going to continue on our DC binge for there so we got that coming out we have um I, if I remember correctly, I said I want to select start podcast. I'm going to do some comparing and contrasting with the three card battle puzzle games or whatever. Um, you know, quests, uh, what is it? Uh, puzzle quest, Thornbreaker, and which I'm actually, I am the guy in a minute. I'm enjoying. And uh, Puzzles and Dragons, which I'm still trying to figure out. So we'll be talking about that and all the news going on in our world of gaming and in our favorite fandom. So stay tuned for all that, folks. Please continue to listen to us on iTunes. No, not iTunes. Apple TV, uh, Google Podcasts. Did I say Apple? T- well, you could. I guess you can do it at Apple TV. Um, 
you can do it on Apple Podcasts, which you can possibly listen to on Apple TV as well. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. God, there's so many. Um, what is the other one? What is the other one? Podbean. And now, what is it? Podcast? Uh, what is the other one? I'm on another one now, too, because uh, everybody was talking about for me to get one, but I'll talk about that later. Just I'm on I'm on this show is on a lot of places as well. You can find it on YouTube, I believe, as well, too. So I think some people pick it up on YouTube as well. But we and you, of course, you can always find us on TalkTimeLive.com. We all of our episodes on there. All of our interviews are an exclusives page. So you can check it out there as well. So thank you guys so very much and continue to support this fandom. And we'll just keep it going and keep it growing from there. So, folks, that'll do it. On behalf of myself, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.